Praise the Lord. This is Psalm for the Day, coming to you from the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Central Parish. Today, our Psalm for the Day is Psalm 62, from verse 1 to 12. Uh, Psalm 62, from verse 1 to 12. Truly, my soul, which yet upon God, from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. The only consult to cast him down from his excellency. The delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, but they cause inwardly. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is the refuge for us. Surely men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, Set not your heart on them. God has spoken once, twice have I had this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou rendereth to every man according to his work. This particular psalm is one of the most often uh, quoted psalm, most especially when you look at um, that uh, verse, uh, verse 11. God had spoken once, twice have I had this, that power belongeth unto God. But when you take the psalm from the beginning and you look at the context of this particular passage, you will see the reason why the psalmist here concludes about the source of all power. The psalmist concludes that God is the source of all power because of all that he has gone through, because of his decision to truly wait upon God from verse 1, he has made it clear unto us that God is his salvation, God is his rock, God is his, is his defense, and because of that, he will not be moved. He has made up his mind that it does not matter what the people of the world may be doing against him, that all will be well with his soul. That's the reason why prayer 62, uh, Psalm 62 is a prayer to God that God will avail for him as his salvation, his deliverer, and protector. Thus, the psalmist seems to be confident of what God can do. Time and again, he resorts to recanting what the adversary has also decided to do. And it is necessary for us to know that is recanting this to motivate himself in his belief in God. It's noteworthy that he starts this prayer with a testament of confidence based on what he knows that God can do. There's no beating about the bush where he wants to be. He said, my soul waits on the Lord. That is where our soul should be. Our soul should wait on the Lord. There is no other place where we can have this kind of faith, this kind of confidence, if our soul does not wait on him. The psalmist doesn't seem to have an alternative. 
you can't live your life seeking for alternative, I mean, away from God because there is none. He's not seeking for alternatives, uh, which had failed. I mean, he's not seeking for God because his alternatives failed him. But because he has chosen God and there is no looking back. For somebody who is waiting for me, who is listening to me today, it is my prayer that you will not look back from falling hard after God. There are two things that we want to look at very briefly. It is this particular theme, waiting on the Lord. This theme of waiting on the Lord. And we look at it from the, I mean, from the perspective of what does it mean to wait? What does it mean to wait on? It's very important that we understand exactly how uh, the dictionary uses these words. The theme of waiting on the Lord is a common one among Christians in this part of the world. Time and again, you hear people will tell you, I'm waiting on the Lord whenever they are fasting. Where did we get this concept from? I want to presume that we must have received this, or, or we must have um, come up with this concept from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God the Lord, the creator of the hands of the earth, fainted not. Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gave a power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. God reveals to us what it takes to wait on him and the product, the benefit of waiting on him. Those who wait upon him, the Bible says, they will renew their strength. And so if your strength is depleted, I have a good news for you. Your strength shall be renewed today in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and they shall not faint. To wait is to stay in, in a place in expectation of something. To wait is to stay in a place in expectation of something. I perceive this is exactly what happened in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, from verse 1 to 3. Matthew chapter 4, from verse 1 to 3. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Verse 3 says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that, that's, that these stones be made bread. Now, Jesus had already been empowered in Jordan. The power of the Holy Spirit came on him mightily like a dove and rested upon him. And he was led into the wilderness from there. So the question now will be, why was he still fasting? It must be that he was aware that um, the tempter must, first of all, accomplish his work before he can go on to do the work of salvation before he could start his ministry. He must, have, he, must have, he must have known that part of the plan is that 
He must confront the tempter. Just as Adam and Eve confronted the tempter in the, in the, uh, in the garden. Don't forget that Apostle Paul identified the Lord Jesus as the last Adam. The first Adam confronted the tempter in the garden and faltered. And then he became, um, he became the, the predecessor to all sinners. He sinned. And from that moment on, sin transmitted from him to all who were ever born after that. So it must have been that Jesus Christ knew that for him to be able to deliver the human race from the clutches of Satan, he will confront the tempter again. So the last Adam prepared himself through fasting and prayer. And after 40 days, the Bible reveals to us that the tempter came. So the Lord Jesus Christ waited. He was in a certain place in expectation of the tempter. So we, we, all of us must know the tempter will come from time to time. The tempter will test our integrity. The tempter will test our, our, our resolution to follow the Lord. That's the reason why we must wait for the Lord. We must stay in a place in our spirit man. We must always be staying in that place so that our strength can be renewed. Paul reveals to us the import of this word when he said, I will tarry. I will tarry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. That is, I will wait at Pentecost. He said, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. I have to tarry. I have to wait because I know there are many adversaries. Anyone who wants to accomplish great things for God must know that there is the expectation of what the adversary will do. The adversary does not want you to be useful. The adversary does not want you to accomplish anything great for your God. The adversary wants to cut you short. He wants to cut, to cut you down. You are the one who must wait. You must wait. You must strengthen yourself so that you can strengthen your resolve. To wait on. The, 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 the dictionary says it is to serve at meals. It's to be a servant, a server, a waiter. It is to be ready and to be available all the time. To be ready and to be available all the time. I am praying that for someone who is listening to this message today, you will be that server, that servant, that waiter, who will be ready for the assignment that the Lord is calling upon you to achieve at this particular time. In, a, in modern day parlance, a server is much more than just a human being who is serving in the restaurants. Today, if you ask our children, they will tell you what a server is, that it's a computer, a computer that provides data to other computers. The server is between the source of information and the user of the information. That's what the server is. And that actually defines what you as a Christian. You are between the source of information, God Almighty, and those who need the information. And as a server, you must learn to wait on the Lord. Father Almighty, we appreciate you today because you have raised us up to wait on you. 
we know without any doubt that there are adversaries all around us. We know you have a plan for our life. We know you have raised us up to achieve an objective. My Father, my God, we pray the grace to wait on you. You will grant unto us the grace to wait with expectation, to prepare ourselves from time to time so that we'll be able to accomplish your purpose for our life. Father, we pray you will grant unto us. The psalmist waited. The psalmist knew without any doubt that there is a purpose for his life and he must accomplish that particular purpose. And he also knew that there are adversaries. Heavenly Father, for every one of us who had heart this morning, we pray we will wait on you. Who is our salvation? Who is our defense? Who is our refuge? Who is our rock? Because we have no other alternatives. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen.